Uh, Today's reading is from Romans 8, verses 18 to 39. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, saints. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for your word. We thank you that your word is for your world. 
Thank you that you are the risen King, our hope and our ultimate trust. Lord, we pray that uh, this morning we will be able to draw closer to you through your word and go out and to live that, to bring praise and glory to you. Amen. <clears throat> this morning we're continuing our series of, I, of the Creed, uh, and it continues to be a central part of what the Church of England and what the global church believe in. We've uh, pinned down for centuries the kind of core parts of our faith. And today, we are looking at uh, the declaration, I believe in hope. There was once a vicar and a curate standing by the side of the road, and they held a sign which said, the end is near, turn yourselves around before it's too late. They planned to hold the sign up for, the, for each passing car. Leave us alone, you religious nuts, yelled the first driver as he sped past. From the corner, from around the corner, they heard a screeching tire and a big splash. Do you think, said one of the clergy to the other, that we should have just put up a sign that says, danger, bridge broken, instead? <laughs> the point of the story is this. Sometimes we view the signs, but misunderstand their message. And sometimes we understand the sign and the message, but we don't act on it. In today's text, Paul, I believe, seeks to give us two signposts. First, Jesus, friends, is hard at work in the renewal of God's creation. That's what he's doing. And secondly, that he wants to see the renewal of your heart through the gift of the Holy Spirit. In verse 19, Paul writes, For creation waits with eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. He's shouting out loud and clear that one day you and I will return back to paradise. This is because Jesus is not just interested in saving you and me, but he's also interested in saving and restoring all of his Father's creation. In the Old Testament, we see so many times the emphasis of both the uniqueness of humankind who are made in the image of God, but also in the stewardship of creation. Take, for example, the frequent calls and the Psalms, such as Psalm 8 and elsewhere, that must encourage you and me to look at wonder of our world and look at astonish astonishment of the marvelous creation that God has given us. Back in Genesis 3, verses 14 to 19, Scripture tells us that our peaceable kingdom was corrupted by our own sinful desires. And now, sadly, the whole of creation is corrupted by it. But Paul, in our text today, he declares, does he not, that there is good news. For Paul, it seems that the business of heaven is about undoing all that was lost for us by Adam, but won for us by the new Adam, 
Christ in his complete victory on the cross. So what gives Paul such confidence? Well, it's the resurrection. For Paul, he himself experienced it in Galatians and in 1 Corinthians we hear. It's the Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Friends, without the resurrection, there simply is no resurrected hope. Our pasts end when we die, and that's the full stop. But with resurrection, there is an eternity to explore this life and creation with God. So Adam's curse and death is shattered, and our freedom is purchased. But it's only purchased, isn't it, by somebody who's in credit, and that's God's own Son, Jesus Christ. Such is the transformation of the cross that in verse 21, Paul sees that the entirety of the cosmos is now cheering on Jesus. Friends, if creation matters to God, it must also matter to us too. God's planet is in a state of climate emergency, and we know, don't we, that we are on borrowed time. But do we tend to think of creation as something other than ourselves? And if so, what damage can this way of thinking cause? The first point I want to make this morning is that Jesus Christ is hard at work in the renewal of God's creation. And the second point in our text that I think Paul wants us to really understand is that Jesus is also at work in the renewal of your hearts. Mine too. And it's only through the gift of the Spirit that gives us the words and the actions to do it. If you were to explain your faith in Jesus to a friend, which word would you use? Perhaps you'd use love or peace or justice. But what about the word hope? Paul shows us, I believe, that the basis of Christian, of Christian hope is the resurrection. And such a hope is an interim gift and a provision to help us to preserve our faith in this life, in these places, in these times, to endure whatever life throws at us. In verses 18, Paul acknowledges that, that suffering is there. And it's probably because those who he's writing to in Rome are suffering because of their faith. They're really wondering, is this so-called inheritance of this Jesus returning back, is it really worth it? Why not go back to the old way? Why not turn back to the pagan gods? Their hardship was real, and it cost them much. So Paul is quick to put their situation into perspective. Paul says, any suffering, friends, that comes our way today cannot measure up to the glory that comes our way and that awaits us when Jesus returns. Friends, this does not mean that the pain 
and the shame and the hurt that you are experiencing today is not real. Far from it. Rather, it means that we can, can't we, in our resurrected hope, remain confident in Jesus' victory that amongst the decay, there will be a new world and a new restoration. But there's more, I believe. Faith needs to direct our hope. It is in God and to God that we must trust and to look. This is because it's only the future of a resurrected Jesus returning back that Advent reminds us, gives life its meaning and its purpose. We have become a saved people. That is our new paradigm, and that's what we must pass on to others. This week, I visited a vicar who is in hospital, and he's got a suspected brain tumor. As we shared Holy Communion in the chaos of the ward, he told me how last week, like so many other churches, he celebrated the Christian feast of Christ the King. The gospel reading for that Sunday was Revelation 1, verses 4 to 11. It's John's great vision of Jesus returning on a cloud as the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, the start and the full stop of everything. This King is the one who will wipe away every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death, no more mourning or crying or pain, for the old things will pass away. My friend also reminded me that because Jesus is king, he's where he should be. A king sits on his throne, right in the place that he was destined to be. And he's doing the things that he should do. He's ruling the whole of the cosmos. And this means, sisters and brothers, that there will be justice and there will be mercy because that's what God is doing right now in his son. He's executing that right now. We may not see them, and we probably don't feel it, but there it is, our reality nonetheless, in both all places and in all times. And it's this hope that we must take as those difficult times come our way. I wonder this morning where do you place your hope? Our text today is challenging us to put our hope only in one place, King Jesus. Because as verse 28 reminds us, God does, and we may not believe it, he has everything under control. But we have to have that faith to believe it, don't we? It's a daily, lifelong choice to follow Jesus and to trust that he is in control. Sometimes I have that faith, sometimes I don't. And I'm sure I'm not the only one in this room who will admit to that. Last week we saw the tragic events in the channel, didn't we? They've shocked us all deeply to the core. And we grieve the men and the women and the children who have lost their lives in such a cruel and desperate way. Yet, is this not what happens when we take out our compassion and our hope 
for a brighter future from our policies. As hope bearers, as Jesus-centered hope bearers, I believe, church, that we are not simply to look away, but we are to step into action. As he himself told us, whatever you do for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you do for me. Today marks the start of Advent, a season of expectant waiting and preparation for the birth and return of Jesus. I believe that Advent is a time of waiting, a time where we stand in that hope of the yes but not quite, a time when we look around our friends and our families and our homes and we rekindle that resurrection hope and ask, where is Jesus in the situations I face myself? Advent is a time where we remember that the Creator God will remake the heavens and the earth. He will overcome its decay, and he's going to do it by transforming the first heaven and the first earth. There is much brokenness, isn't there, in our world? But Jesus is in the business of making our brokenness beautiful again, and it starts with creation and the human heart. What does Jesus want to fill you afresh with today? Where do you need resurrection hope again? Where have you lost it? Where have you misplaced it? Where will God fill you up again? Whatever you are facing this week, please take hope in a king who comes to join you in the dirt. Christianity claims that Jesus is not just another king, but he is the king of the cosmos. He is Emmanuel, is he not? God with us. I believe that in our text today from Romans 8, we can take great hope because in Jesus, we see that the hard work of renewing God's creation and our hearts has already happened and it won't stop until Jesus returns and calls each of us home. Amen. Thank you so much, Craig. In response to what Craig has brought to us this morning, shall we stand, if we're able, and say with confidence the creed that we've been looking at?